Oh, it does. I just don't have a set of headphones that aren't Bluetooth. Wait a minute. My son does. Can you? You might have just solved all my problems. That's me. (laughs) Your perfect problem solver. (laughs) There we go. You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Him to Life. I am sitting down with a long-lost friend, Nick Davidson. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's so good to see your face. So I first met you four years-ish ago, four or five years ago. Uh, I brought you in for an event. Uh, We actually asked Father Mike Schmitz if he could come, and he was like, no, but my best friend Nick can come, and he's amazing. So I was like, okay, sounds good. I am the poor man's Father Mike Schmitz. That's that's what I end up being. And you're just the best. I <laughs> it was so fun having you come in for this event and getting to have meals with you. And yeah, I, you just made a huge impact on on me and on uh, my husband and I. We just yeah loved getting to know you. So tell us a little bit about about who you are, where you live in the world, that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. I'll go really fast. Um, I was born in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, I grew up a non-Catholic, I grew up anti-Catholic. Hold on one second. Hudson, stop, go downstairs. One of my five children snuck up and uh, was looking at me while trying to break our safety gate for our baby. So I had to, I had to save a life. This is what you do. Anyway. So, so you're dadding. Uh, so obviously kids. So no, I grew up uh, anti-Catholic. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. Uh, I grew up in church. And then I went to North Central University, which is a Bible college in Minneapolis. I met my wife there. We got married in 2001 and we lived in China for two years. So my wife has known since she was 10 that she wanted to be a missionary. And I would say I've known since I met my wife that I was going to be a missionary. Yeah. Because I, it was, I met her and I was done for me. Like I was just, she's, okay, we'll do that. What's a missionary do now? And I was on, it was in. So we lived in China for two years. We taught at an international school and then we came back. So while we were there, she, we toured the killing fields in Cambodia and she just got, had like an actual light bulb moment, which we can talk about some other time, but she knew she was called to be a doctor uh, as a missionary. And so we moved back to the States and she did 12 years of schooling to become a mission or to become a doctor. So she, um, along the way, uh, we, so we've been married 19 years now. Um, we always knew we would adopt, but we didn't know when that would happen. And okay. actually when we lived in other countries, we, we lived in China, we're like, everybody adopts from China. So it's probably going to happen then. And it didn't happen then. And we, when we were stateside for pre-med and whatnot, we thought, well, maybe we'll do it then. We'll do foster care with adoption. And it just never happened. It was never the right time. And then it was when she started med school in the Caribbean, us like hemorrhaging money that God said, okay, now's the time to adopt three children. So we adopted three kids, which again, that'd be a different podcast. Actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of recording a four-part podcast series on our adoption. So I'm trying to work through the whole history of it. But we adopted three kids. Um, and then we had had the kids four years and then my wife got pregnant. And so then, so we have now two biological children and three adopted children. Um, and I don't know, we're elderly, so I'm 42, turn 40. So I, <laughs> I don't know if more kids are on their way, but we're up for it if, if, 
they are. So okay, so were you what? Where did the desire for adoption come from? Were had you guys been struggling with some infertility, or was it like from the get go before you even got married? You both knew like, hey, we want to adopt. Yeah, actually, it was either our first or second date. We were that's that's how fast it hit. Uh, I love it. We were just so. What about kids? Um, so we, we knew, yeah, I always knew I wanted, so technically I was adopted. My, my, the dad I grew up with is not my biological father, but he officially, we went to court. He adopted me when I was like three years old. Um, but I mean, I, so it's not that I was like, I'm a child of adoption, but I just love adoption. I just think it's, it's, if, if you struggle with what to do in this world that is tangible, you just, you just adopt, just do that. And people don't because they don't actually want sometimes to actually do something to Well, I can't do that. That's like 18 years of commitment. Like, yeah. But so I always knew we wanted to. Jacelyn, my wife's name is Jacelyn. I'm not saying Jason. I'm saying Jacelyn. Jacelyn. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, so she has always known too. So we talked about it and we didn't know we would struggle with infertility. We were infertile 15 years um and then a baby came along and then another we thought so hudson the kid who was just trying to destroy my home he we thought he was a one-off we thought oh that i mean that's a miracle but that's probably it and then yeah he was like two and we're like well i think you're pregnant again and i remember telling my grandpa and he's like ah nick why are you having all these kids i'm like i I, i'm not i don't know they're just coming suddenly they're coming out of nowhere Okay. What the heck you were. Okay. So you, I didn't realize how long you guys had struggled with infertility. Yeah. Yep. 15 years. We, we received a real grace. I mean, looking back. So when we didn't have kids, when when she was in pre-med and I was a youth minister in Duluth, we became Catholic in 08. And again, that's a whole separate story, but I became a Catholic youth minister uh, a year before I was ever Catholic. And so I had 80 kids in a youth group that they were like my kids. And so like they were, they were the ones who could call at 1 a.m. and that I would, you know, would meet for coffee and hang out with. And so I had that. And then my wife was involved in the church, too. And so we had I guess we were just always spared. I know that parents or people that want to be parents, that couples really they feel that weight. And I know it's a burden. I know it's a grief. Um, part of that is a grief that maybe shouldn't be. I think a lot of times we, we think we have like a right to children or whatever, but then at the same time, there's just a wound, like, because we should, we were made to do that. Yeah. We were made to be parents. And so we didn't have that grief ever. We had moments of it. Um, and then when we started to look into fertility issues, like how to correct it, especially after becoming Catholic, um, you know, we did charting and, and all that stuff. And then you're, you're focused on it like every day. Yeah. You're focused. So then like, not to be trite, but then when the payoff doesn't happen every month after every month after every month, you start to see, okay, if you're, if you're putting all of this like force and desire and emphasis on something that you're not getting, it does take its toll. Um, but there was always, I think we were just spared that we had a grace where we were just like, but it's fine if it doesn't, Mm. uh, because we've also always had such a strong call. And to be honest, finding theology of the body and having that save our marriage and change my entire existence. We're like, okay, but it's all in perspective. And so if kids don't come along, kids are fine. <laughs> I, yeah. I, that, they're yeah. awesome. I mean, yeah. Just, yeah. Now, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then they did come along. And so then now, now we have a household. Okay, so I want to go back to, you just made a brief comment about you found theology of the body and it transformed your marriage, it healed your marriage, it saved your marriage. I can't remember what word you utilized there how, what was that about? How did that enter in and what happened? 
Yeah. Um, I know that's a man. big story. Yeah. A big question. Uh, it's a, And it's a vulnerable question too. So I appreciate you just your openness. Sure. Well, and I'll say this, I, anything I say, I have permission to say. Like, <laughs> so tra- having traveled and spoken for years and years now on, on sexuality and marriage and my own checkered past and whatnot, there have been times where my wife is like, you're telling what story? Oh, <laughs> You never asked permission, but then, then I'm already saying it and it's on audio. And she's like, all right, whatever. So I have permission. Here's your permission. There you go. <laughs> but like, like most men, you know, I, well, I, you know, I was a kid before there was internet and stuff like that, but the guy was exposed to porn at eight years old and mm-hmm. didn't know that I was receiving an education on relationships. And then I come from like a broken home. Like I, I they, my family is amazing, but it was broken and shattered. And so there was this mix of like, I was loved and I had an amazing relationship with my grandpa. He's like my dad, but like my grandpa and grandma's marriage was terrible. And then my mom, like she was 17 when she had me and I didn't meet my real dad until I turned 18 and then she got married and, uh, they divorced when I was 17. And so like, I, I saw on one hand porn. And then I saw on the other hand, every other relationship around me, like aunts and uncles were addicts and abusive. And so I was like, I don't know if I have to choose, I'm always going to, you know, if there's between one or the other. So when, as soon as I was, you know, in high school and could enact and try to find affection and try to find relationships, all I did was I veered towards sexuality. Now most teens do anyway, like that's, that's normal. Hormones are racing and whatnot, but And I grew up Christian and I knew it was all bad. I just knew Mm. everything was all bad. Just you're so bad. But, but also there was no, like I would go to um, like uh, chastity weekends and you'd have a retreat Friday, Saturday and Sunday and Sunday afternoon you sign the purity card and put the purity ring on. And and then that night in the back of my car, I would show that I didn't mean what I signed in the form. And I didn't even want to be a liar, but I was, I was like this, you know, conundrum or whatever contradiction and so I got married and my wife and I both grew up in the same tradition and we both knew we wanted to love each other and we wanted we wanted everything to be like it should Uh, but we had no tools to do it with we didn't know we didn't have tools so you know we were six and a half years into our marriage and um just kind of struggling like figuring like I don't I don't know I don't know I want to love you I just don't know how and Mm. um and couldn't, and so did my wife. Like neither of us wanted, I had vowed I wouldn't repeat my family's history. I'm not going to, not going to do all those things. But then I found myself in the same boat. Like, oh, this is why. Because we don't have any tools with which to, not even just to fight, but to understand what we're doing. Like, why the heck are we married? Like, what is, so um, we got back from China uh, and spent the autumn in North Dakota, um, up in Walhalla, North Dakota. And I was a pastoral uh, associate. And we came back to start my wife's pre-med in January of 2007. And we were also really restless in our denomination. Hmm. And so, the, so everything's going on at once, but we decided we were supplementing. We would go to our denomination. We would supplement other places. We just happened to go to um, a student mass at St. Scholastica on some random Tuesday night. And we walk in and mass was not what we expected it to be. It was- Had you ever been to a, whole, a Catholic mass before? No. Okay. No. Okay. We no. need to do a whole nother episode on that whole process, yeah, but continue. It's a whole hour long talk that I do. But anyway, we met Father Mike Schmitz and um, we're like, okay, this is what, so we asked him, can we meet for coffee? Could we go? And so for five months, 
every uh, once a week we would go to coffee from 10 to midnight with him and we would just we hashed through everything and along the way he invited us to a theology of the body thing he was doing um and long story short like we walked so it was a four part and we missed the first two weeks and we showed up late to the third one because of my wife um and always and then <laughs> we left 45 minutes later like just changed just uh the next night i went to my protestant bible study group and started teaching tob from the outline i got the night before and it was like just, like guys you gotta you gotta hear this and i was doing apologetics for jp2 the next day and so that okay so and- real quick pause for somebody that's like nick what's theology of the body what are you talking about tob can you give yeah. like a real brief what you're even yeah. talking about yeah, like uh, JP2 just received this gift from God of being able to like delve, you know, it started with him having gone, heard confessions for like 20 years and seeing yeah. all the brokenness. But um, it's basically a biblical theological explanation of why. Why are you male or female? Why? And for me, it, you know, it always translates to a sex talk, but it, it, for anybody who gets into TOB, it goes way steps prior yeah. to that. And you just start to realize and this is what did it for me. It's just like, why anything? Huh. Why, why is there anything? Why in the world, if there's this infinite being who, you know, is omniscient, omnipresent, uh, omnipotent, he did, he's all the omnis and he decides to make this like, like why, why, yeah. yeah. Why? And, and then you get into like, but why men and women and, and why, why intercourse? Why any of it? Why is it like it is? And then what JP two does is he enables you through TOB to like, to get to the nittiest of grittiest and just say like, but why, why are there pleasure sensors where they are? Like, why, why is the, the moment of climax, the same moment of consent? Why? Like, why any of it? And so like, it's this endless, like I call it, call it like a Disneyland of theology. Like it's, <laughs> it's like amazing ride after amazing ride of just like, Oh, that's why. Oh, that's why. So for me, and, and then, I'll, so this is where it climax. This is where it's <laughs> no where it, pun intended. <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm going to use that from now on. This <laughs> is where I came to the crux. I was sitting in my office after going to the week long TOB training that the diocese of Duluth sent me on uh, with Christopher West. And I was, I was doing a 14 week course on TOB at, at the, uh, Oh, pause. Did I adequately answer the yeah, question? Yeah, you did continue play. So I was reading in a footnote from JP2's actual theology of the body. And in a footnote, he, in passing, cause that's what JP2 does. He just in passing can change your life in a footnote in a, like quiet attacks. 100%. I, and he just, he, he, for a moment explained the, the original Hebrew of male and female. Uh, and he says it in one sentence. And then I shut the book and I pushed back from my desk in my office and I didn't touch it again for three weeks because I like had found my course. I had found out, oh, I'm a male. Oh, that's, oh, that's why I'm breathing. Okay. And like, it changed, it changed every single thing. It changed the way I pay for gas. It changed the way I would get on a flight to go speak somewhere. Like it changed who I sat, like I just, it changed everything for me. And so um, it healed my marriage. Um, And now my wife, same time, like, you know, side by side, we had been, discovering the church and I had been wounding her and she had been wounding me and our brokenness would just, and in theology of the body in, in, especially on the stuff in song of Solomon, where he, song of songs where he talks about um, 
you being a woman, being the master of your own mystery and that you, you are self-possessed. No one possesses you. Your husband doesn't. You're for your own sake. God didn't even make you to do anything for him. He made you for your own sake. And that began to really heal her at the same time. Hmm. And so um, it came to a point. So in this, yeah, I have permission. So um, our, our married life was just rough. Uh, it, we couldn't, especially in the most intimate of moments, we just couldn't figure out how to be who we should be. I carried so much with me. She had so much baggage with her. And um, it came to the point where the night before I went to the theology of the body training for a week to get trained, being paid for by the diocese. Wow. The night before I left in the hotel, I was basically like pressuring for sex. And she's like, fine. Can I, can I just hide my face then? And I said, yep, that's fine with me. And, th- and I didn't even see that as wrong. And neither did she, we were just at a point where we're like, all right, just fine. Seriously. And that's, wow. Yeah. And the next morning I went to TOB. So the second day on the Tuesday, I always say everybody has to have a Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday of TOB for me, I was sitting. And again, I had been Catholic for 51 days. I was still like a Catholicist. I was calling myself a Catholicist. I, I just, like it. <laughs> I, I was in a room of 90 Catholics and I was sitting in the back and the first day and a half of TOB was amazing. It's all like, it's all the beauty. And then Tuesday oh, yeah. hits. It's like naked, it's the adultery in the heart. And um, I sat in the back. It's the only time in my life I've ever done that. I sat in the back and I cried for like nine hours. I just, everything Christopher West said, every word on the page, every scripture I'd ever known. And what happened was um, he at one point says, men in this room, husbands in this room, some of you, you might've wounded your wife so badly in your marriage that you need to leave here this week and go home and offer her 14 years of celibacy, just so she knows that you're in it for her and not for her body. And if you don't, you don't love her. And I felt like a knife, it went like in my heart, because I knew it. And I saw like, like a movie flash frame of every time I had used and taken from her. And it was so like bare and real, like it just killed, it bro- I just died. Like I just sat in the back and people knew to leave me alone. They were like, well, A, he's not, he's just one of us only a few days old. So we'll just stay away from him. And I don't get him and he's weird. And so like, they just let me cry and I cried all day long. And I realized, so like I, the week got over and it, it gets better, by the way, if you're Tuesday leads to Wednesday and yeah, it's cool. Miss- <laughs> but, yeah. but I got home and um, I walked in the door from the trip and I remembered how I had left her. And I came in and she's like, hey, and I said, you just, you just sit at the table, just sit down. And we sat at the table and I said, I just, I, I want to just say this. Um, I, I have taken seven years from you because we have been married seven years at that point. And I said, I, I have taken seven years from you. And so if it takes seven years of celibacy for me to prove to you that I'm in it for you and, for not, and not for your body, then I'm willing to do that. And then I prayed that she wouldn't take me up on it. What'd she say? Really deep prayer. And uh, she said, okay. And I went, no, like inside, like, no, no, what have I done? She said, okay. And, uh, and we did, we didn't, not seven years, but we entered into like a set long time period of celibacy. And like, I watched my wife who had not wanted to, but had grown cold and had grown distant. I watched her fall in love with me. And I watched myself like to be able to, it was a completely foreign concept for me as a male to be able to just say no, like without any like 
even gritting of teeth, but just to say, no, I can say no to myself. I don't, myself doesn't control me. Self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit and I have the spirit. So I control me and we, we would watch movies and that, and that was it. And we would go on runs cause we were running marathons and we would do all these things and that was it. And it, healed so stinking much in our marriage that uh it ended up just i i it's tough to remember what it was like prior and so that was that was in 08 so you know that's 12 years ago now and i i tell everybody i meet like marriage is the best thing parenting is great marriage is the best thing there it's yeah. there it's just the greatest and you so many times people will be like i've never heard that before i'm like yeah neither had i like it's something you grin and bear or you get through, but it's not, but it is the greatest thing of wow. every part of my day wow. is being. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I so have, that's I have so many, I have like so many things that I want to ask you. I don't even know where to start. Um, yeah. Okay. I have to know, was there a moment when Jacelyn uh, felt that shift or do you think she felt it the whole the whole time as you were kind of going through that period of abstinence in your marriage? Or when did it come to a point where she was like, Nick, we have this has radically changed. And you know what I mean? Was there a moment? I don't know if there was a moment for her. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's an interesting question. I So it's so weird because uh, in the midst of all of this, you know, she was doing pre-med and then she was in med school. And so all this healing's taking place while she's studying 14 hours a day. And, yeah. um, and like, even, even <laughs> this great, again, this is a different podcast, but, um, we adopted the two boys first, the brothers, and then we weren't allowed to get their sister the following year. We heard that we could get their sister if we wanted her. So we had just made it back to America. We had $45 to our name. Uh, and suddenly we have two kids and, um, and God did all of it. So in case you're thinking like I'm irresponsible, it was God's fault. So I'm, I I'm totally at a camp. blame him. <laughs> yeah. I'm speaking at a camp with father Mike in McGregor, Minnesota. And I get this call or an email from somebody on the Island saying, Hey, the daughter is up if you want her for, for adoption. And I was like, I, I, what? Like, no, we can't. We, we adopted the first two, like it's gotta be good enough, you know? And so I called Jacelyn and there's a reason I'm telling the story. I called Jacelyn and I was like, Hey hun, um, I know you're studying for the second biggest test of medical school, but, um, we can adopt Esther if we want to. And she was like, what? Like, Nick, I, I'm, I, I am studying right now. I'm like, I know, babe, I don't know. And so she said, she said, all right, well, listen, you just pray about it and whatever you decide we'll do. And she, <laughs> you're kidding me. I was like, you don't send me to the store for a shopping list without help woman. Like you, that's not fair at all. <laughs> and Like she just hung up. So I had to go in and I had to speak that night an hour, an hour and a half later, I had to speak on trust. And so we're in adoration and I'm praying, you know, God, give me the words to say to these kids. And God was like, I mean, I suppose he doesn't talk that way. I was going to God basically said, hell no, I'm not. I, you, you're, you're contemplating whether or not to save a child's life. And you want me to give you words to say to these kids. I can't, if you can't even trust me on this, why would I let you speak? Why would I give you words to say about trust? And I was like, Oh, was, thanks for just blunt. That was very, yeah. and so I, I was felt like I was in this fog and I was like, all right, fine. We will say yes. 
we will adopt Esther. And like fog cleared, like the only time in my life that I've had like where I could see what was going to happen so clearly that had like, that I had like, it wasn't even faith. It was like, Oh, I've seen like that sort of thing. Like mm. such a, so we got, I got done with the talk, which I think went okay. But then I went out and I called my wife and she's like, hello. And I was like, we're having a girl. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> and she was crying. She was like, I was hoping that's what you'd say it was. And but like, it all turned out well, but the reason I say that is because all of the adoption and process was happening as well as med school, as well as God healing our marriage. So I don't know if my wife could pinpoint the day. It just, it was, it was day in, day out. And to be honest, if you had to attribute it to a day, it would have been the day that uh, I was sitting in my office and I learned what a man was because I had been messing us up on such a fundamental, I wasn't being a male. I wasn't being a man. And, and so when I started doing that, then it took, I mean, it ended up, I remember being seven years after that conversation, uh, being like, holy cow, this is night and day. This is not, I don't even feel like the same person. Um, and so it was incremental in that regard. And although I'll, I'll ask her tonight when she yeah. gets off work. Can I, can I ask you, um, weed out a little bit for me what you mean when you say that I, that I learned that I was male? Because obviously, like, you knew you were a guy. You knew you were a dude. Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this, that's like, sure. what is he talking about? Like, is he whacked out, doesn't realize that yeah. he's, you know, a guy? W- what do you really, what's at the heart of that? What does that mean? Yeah, so, okay, so the, the way I always flow chart it is <laughs> I, as a Christian, I believe that there is a God. And I believe he created this world. I believe that he is loving, not that he is love, not that he's just loving, but he is love. So he can't, he can't do anything bad with bad intent. He can't do it. So if he exists and he can't do anything with evil intent, but he also can't do anything inadvertently. Like God doesn't doodle. Like if you've ever been like just doodling and you're like, Oh, I didn't even, he, nothing is inadvertent. It couldn't be. I mean, if, if he's the God that we say he is, like mm-hmm. that all of this around us is here, then, then he's not inadvertent. So he's on purpose and he's loving. And then he made humans. And so for me, like I, I've, I saw what a guy should be because I saw porn. So that's what a dude is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or I saw um, like my, the dad I had growing up, you work really hard. You don't need to use words. You don't need to really be there. You just work super hard for your family. That's a man. Uh, my dad was jacked. He was six, five or is he's not dead. What am I talking about? My dad is six, five. He's jacked. He's always ripped. I've never been, I was a reader. I liked, you know, reading things and sitting down and that's, so my dad, he's a man, um, or a man, you know, does this or that, like, or a man has this or that or whatever. Like guys get those all the time. We get it every second and we're forming and we're always trying to build what a man should be. Like we're trying to, and some of those are true. I mean, strength is a part of masculinity, but to go all the way back and be like, yeah, but why, why did he, why did he create uh, the male gender? Like, why was it so that, I mean, do you need muscles? Do you have to take a stand? Like what is, what is a male? And seeing that footnote, like, again, the Hebrew for that, I was like, oh, because the scriptures aren't inadvertent and the scriptures aren't accidental. And so when the word was chosen, there's, two Hebrew words for male, the one that was used in male and female that created them, it has a specific meaning. And so that what wasn't inadvertent. Well, do we have time? I don't know what the timeline is. Give me, okay. Give me in like two words. What is it? Or two okay. sentences. Uh, I'll give you two okay. sentences. 
This is okay. a test. So we'll see how word, you do. The word in Hebrew is the car. Um, and so, but Hebrew, like a word unpacks, like it's filled with meaning. It doesn't, it's not just, it, so it had a meaning and the meaning technically of male. So God didn't say male because he didn't speak English. He wasn't American. He did. <laughs> God also says the car. He wouldn't have spoken that. What he actually created was remembrance. So male is remembrance. But, but again, so Jewish remembrance, though, isn't remembering like an intellectual exercise, like, like uh, the Passover feast. Uh, that, wasn't, that was a remembrance. When they instituted the Passover, God says, this will be a remembrance for the ages. But remembrance doesn't mean that every year they remembered, like they thought back, hey, remember what happened? It is to remember, to be a member again. Oh. So they, the meaning behind a remembrance is to make present. That, that actually, that's, that's what male means, is to make present. And so, uh, so every year, well, we know that because we've talked about the Eucharist. So every year when they celebrated the Passover, every Jew knew we're not just remembering, we are made participants in that one time event. We are, we are, he is made present. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because he knew he, every time you celebrate the Eucharist, he is made present. You are made present. So go before the Eucharist and before the Passover, when there's nobody, the first creature created was remembrance was to make god present and so that it's connected though because again the the word for female is is the receiver it means to be punctured technically but it means to like to receive it's the, it means to be open that's what woman means to be open so you have you have a the because the god the father everything comes from him so you have the one who pours himself out in the first moments of scripture the first creature created was to pour him out. And then you have a receiver. And so I pushed back from my desk. And I, I mean, I uttered many profanities uh, of awe and wonder of just, I I consisted of taking on every front and it's contrary to uh. my nature because as a male, I'm supposed to die. Like, because then Jesus, Jesus, did, the son of God is not the androm, androgynous of God. He is the son. He came as a man and he didn't, he wasn't like some, yeah, like gender neutral wispy. He was a, a male. That's not accidental because mm-hmm. he came to make God present, to pour himself out in life and in death. And, and so every, I tell men, just have a crucifix in your hand, never be more than arm's length away from a crucifix. Cause if you wonder at any given moment, what, what, what's a dude, that's it. You live, breathe, die. And then you're successful. You just die. So I got up from my going like, I've not died for her. I have, I've lived with her, but I haven't like lived for her. I haven't just to the utter regard, disregard of me. Like Jesus has to me all my life. I haven't been that to her. I've been nice. I've tried to be a good husband so that she didn't leave me because I have abandonment issues, but I was never a real male. I was waiting to be a male. And that was the day I was like, no, I'm done. I, I, so every morning I wake up. I know my course, not that I'm good at it, not that I excel, but I know my course. And if I, if I, I have a rosary in my pocket, I know where to go. Like if I, so that, that's, that's what it was. Sorry. That was long. You failed your two sentence test, but it was 100% worth it. Um, (laughs) Okay. So I have, I have two more questions for you. Um, First question. If a couple is listening to this, that has been struggling 
in their marriage because maybe of because these various things, right? Either um, like the wounds that they've carried in from past relationships or their their own history, uh, maybe struggling in their intimacy as spouses because of those things. Maybe what's a little piece of just encouragement or uh, advice? I don't know if that's the right word uh, that you might yeah. be able to offer them. Yeah, well, for men, I just, I... I also, I come down really hard on men. I have women tell me like, you should be a little nicer to men in your talks, but I don't want a man to be discouraged. If you're listening and, and you're a husband and you're seven years in and you didn't realize what a male was and you're addicted to porn and you all these things that are real that happen, the, there's just, oh, oh, I can sum it up. Uh, the following night after TOB that I went to the Bible study, I'm sitting there with a bunch of you know, men and women. They're all young adults. And I'm talking about how God can transform because in a day I could feel like I felt like synapses rewiring was happening. Like I just, I don't know, it was such a visceral. And so I was telling them like, guys, I, I was debased. Like my mind was fractured. Like we, we could go into it, but I'm, I was broken last night and things are different today. And one of my close friends also was in youth ministry. He was like, well, that's good for you, Nick, but some people are just wired differently. And I don't have a lot of moments of clarity, which you can tell, but I had this moment where I was like, (laughs) wait a minute, you're telling me you believe wholeheartedly that there's a God who created this world, created humans, sent his son of a virgin birth, lived did miracles, raised the dead, died, rose again on his own power, sent the Holy Spirit, inspired scriptures, and you're too far gone for him to fix you. And there was this pause and my friend got a smile and he was like, well, no. And like, then shut up, like, (laughs) shut up. And so I would say for any man out there, you could have your list of things that suck about you. Yeah, and they're true. Like, I'm sure we're fractured. It's so messed up. But nothing can stop the power of God. It can't. A, dead, a guy was dead for three or four days. He was in the tomb. And Jesus said three words. And the dude came out of the tomb. Like, I just, there's nothing that he can't. And, and if you heal the male in the marriage, everything else heals. Wow, and that's it, a bold statement. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. If, if, if you heal, if we had dads and men, not boys and pigs, then we would not have what we have around us right now. I, w- I don't even, that's the thing. I, I give women's talks because I think women need to hear men say these things. They need to hear this, but no, no. If the, if men were men, if they were what they should be, we would not have these issues. Not that women, I mean, again, women are their own, you know, sentient yeah, yeah, being, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a complete failure on the part of masculinity. Wow. That's a, yeah. uh, that's a bold, a bold statement. And yet, uh, I mean, it resonates so true there's a depth to it. Uh, yeah. Heal men and you'll heal marriage because then, because the women then can receive as she's actually meant to receive. So the woman is made to receive one thing. She is made to receive the one thing that the man is made to give. And that's God. Yeah. And man is giving anything else, Mm -hmm. anything, not what she's made to receive. She's just supposed to endlessly hear from you, the love of God and see it. And so when you, when, and again, so if you're listening and you're a male, that's not a judgment. That should be encouraging. Because the day I found out, like, oh, wow, I suck. Whoa. <laughs> that bad? I'm that? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. But it's 
it should be liberating the minute we know more truth, because then we're that much closer to the way of the truth in life. We're, we're that much closer to who we should be instead of living deceived. So yeah. just be encouraged. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and again, 100%, I was a porn addicted, fracture minded moron and God transformed me. Wow. And, and, TOB. TOB gets in your head and it just starts to change. Uh, JP2 said it. He said it's not just informative, it's transformative. It's, yeah. So when you when you hear it, it does its own work in you. you, you I mean, it's you, if you let it in, you start to transform. And it changes the whole way in which you see the world. I, you yep. know, I think you said that earlier. It changed the way that you grocery shopped. It changed the way that you did everything because it was like, it's like, I describe it as like, it's, it's a new pair of lenses through which to look at the world and everything actually becomes more clear. You know, so yeah. not is it just like a cultish, weird, you know, just a new pair of glasses that changes everything to roses. It's actually not at all. I think you actually see fracture, you see wound, you see difficulty much more clearly, and you see the other side. And that was, for me, for the first time ever, this man who I never met, JP2, came into my life, and he was validating things about me that I, like he, so porn, he found ways to validate where there is good. Like, and, and didn't just throw the baby out with the bathwater, but say, no, actually, all the desire comes from a good place. You're made to desire. The, the, the desire, intimacy, sex itself. He invented it. He invented, people talk about keeping God out of the bedroom, but he invented the bedroom. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he invented that act. I, there's a whole, like, it's a whole other thing. But yeah, he, it's his idea. It's just so, so much good being validated. Was, then you're able to see the bad a lot better. Yeah, yeah but, absolutely. <laughs> I can hear your little ones calling, so I'll let you I'll let you finish that. But I've got one more question for you before I can let you go. I'll be right there. This whole homeschooling thing is going great, isn't it? (laughs) It's really, really fun. I'm loving it. (laughs) Okay, Nick, first of all, again, I just want to say thank you for your honesty and your your passion. It's so contagious. And uh, I will never forget when you came um, you know, I, I, in my work, I bring in a lot of different speakers for different things. And I remember at the end of the the event, you walking through the aisles and picking up the garbage that was left at the end of the event. And, and you're laughing, but I have to tell you, it made a massive impact on me just seeing you, uh, live this mission through and through and, and just being this missionary that, that you were just there for the whole thing. You were just in it. Uh, and it just was really beautiful. So yeah. And, and, it, and it's coming through in our conversation today, just your, your passion and your, um, yeah, your sincerity, uh, and integrity of who you are. It's just really beautiful. So, um, also I cannot wait for my husband's men's group to listen to this episode. They are going to be eating it up. <laughs> They're just going to love it. Um, okay. Last question for you. I ask every guest that comes on lead them to life. If there is a question that you have been pondering and a lot of this just comes from my own desire of asking, uh, questions of myself, the people around me, the world around me in an effort to learn more about who we are and what we're created for. So I want to know if there's a question that you have been pondering and the only rule, this is going to be hard for you. You cannot answer your own question. So it has okay. to be something that you're still just kind of pondering that you don't know the answer to. That's perfect. Cause I have one. Okay. I, okay. Go. I, I, and if anyone's listening that can like tap me into some good theology on it. So I really like conceptual physics. Like I like, um, what the heck is conceptual con- physics? Well, like, like, um, 
time being the fourth dimension, like the concepts of time being malleable and, and like quarks and neutrinos and like quantum physics. I love that stuff. Not the math. I can't do math, but like the concepts of it. I love it so much. And I, I regularly daily. I, so here it is. Here's the question. I, the moment you die and you leave this temporal frame, the mortal coil, you're, you're not in this time anymore because the time, like this podcast is a time limit and that, that is malleable. Like we can even, we can speed time in little bits with atomic clocks being at the different heights and whatnot because gravity affects time. So the minute you're out of this framework, this construct, you're free of that. Okay. So you're in the infinite like, because Christ, God is the eternal present. He is, everything is now there's no, a thousand years is like a day. So there's no, any like progress of time. It's not linear. It just is with him. And you leave this framework and you're in to the is with him. Okay. So we have purgatory and I, I know it's not a place and I know it's not a set time frame, but for what I struggle with is, I'm not struggle with what I like to think about is the minute I die. So I'm a dad and a husband. I'm trying to do well at that. The minute I die, I'm, I'm going to purgatory. Like I know that's a fact. Like I've already, it's pretty, there's no way out of that one. I'm doing my best. <laughs> Aiming for purgatory. <laughs> Amen. That's, I love that one. But, but my thing is like, we're like, well, so we pray for the souls in purgatory. Okay. But there's no, for how long? Because we're like, I don't know. Well, I would give it a, well, it's Nick. So give it like six years. You can safely assume if Nick, if it's taking longer, I don't know, just give up. God will take care of it. That sort of thing. But that, that doesn't make any sense to my brain because the minute you're out of this, the, the souls in purgatory, they're done with this time frame. It's all now in a sense it's happening and it's done. It's, mm. it's, they're already in heaven and they're there to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord that's in scripture. And so they're, they're with him. And they're, they're more one with him than I am. And they're not the church triumphant, but how long are they not the church? That is driving me insane because, because the more, the more we learn about this time is so not. Uh, And so like with the eternal present, like not just like how long do I pray for somebody, but just the, what I'm finding in it is the encouragement that if I were to die today, from my kid's point of view, from my wife's point of view, in the flashiest of flashes, in a heartbeat, I'm more with them than I ever was here on earth. I'm less distracted. I'm more of the dad and the husband that, oh, I'm getting choked up. That's so stupid. I'm not dying. I don't have COVID. But like, I would be more who I am trying to be now then. Uh, And so like, I want that to be instantaneous in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's to know like, yeah, no, dad's going to purgatory. Dad's going, you pray him through. But also know that it could be the first time you pray for me, I'm already praying for you and I'm already, and I'm already interceding like that sort of thing. That's what's on my mind. Yeah. That's the most Nick Davidson question ever. I love it. I love it. Hey, where can people find you and support you and Jason in your mission work and all of that? Can they follow you on Facebook? You're like my favorite person on Facebook. Oh, shut up. I, uh, so my, my own website, which I haven't touched in, in a while is just death before death.wordpress.com. So, uh, C.S. Lewis said, die before you die. There's no chance after. So death before death is mine where I used to blog and stuff, but freely That's our nonprofit. And it's, it's no, please. I am the one doing the website right now. And so you just bear with me, dang it. If you go to that website, you don't judge me. Don't judge me. My wife likes no yellow. Judgment. 
Okay. And so, but there's a donate button and I, I would love to sometime be able to be on here and talk about missionary work because it's, it's our whole passion. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's what we're in the process of doing now. So basically that either I have a YouTube channel, which has got tons of stuff. I have a podcast, Nick, the idiot, um, <laughs> Nick underscore the underscore idiot. So podcast. I will. I will include all of these things in the show notes for people to find okay. you as well. Uh, yeah, you just, you crack me up and I don't, I honestly can say, I don't know that I know anybody else like you, which is just so refreshing. It's just so refreshing to see somebody so uh, authentically leading into who they're created to be quirks and all. <laughs> Nick the idiot. <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, friends, like I said, I will post all of those things in the show notes. Hey, I hope that this uh, this episode blessed you. I would love for you to share it with a friend, Um, especially I think the last half of that conversation, specifically speaking about masculinity, um, is such a needed conversation in the world today. So share it with a guy friend or your your husband, uh, brother, your dad, whomever you think might benefit from it. And friends, thank you so much. We will see you next time. 